0: This is the Luminate Collective Podcast, brought to you by AAB Consulting, and I'm your host, Shan Parker. In this series, we capture candid conversations on life, change, leadership, and the world of business. Beyond their titles, our guests share their life stories, discussing the personal and vulnerable experiences that have contributed to their success. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Sylvie Douglas, founding director of the social enterprise Miss Miss Misses. Her story is a powerful testament to the impact of change on community and purpose. Get ready to be inspired by her journey. Sylvie. Hello. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're so excited. We know a little bit about you but i can't wait to learn so much more because you're a lady of many layers let's say that no pressure then (laughs) fabulous (laughs) no pressure um so we want to start by getting you to have a wee think about a moment in your life where you had options you had choices and you picked one you picked one thing and you went down a path and it's led you to where you are now I remember when we've spoken in the past, you said, "Sean, I've got so many moments like that. Like, how am I supposed to pick one? I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to just pick one that stands out to you just as you're sitting here just now.
1: Yo. Yeah, I've got, I've actually got quite a few, but one thing I suppose, one of the moments I really remember is that was round about when I was 24 um, and just my life was pretty chaotic and I was in a point of just sorting things out and uh, I came to a crossroads and I had a decision that I could make and that was around, this is going to be quite intimate so I'm going to I'm going to talk about it. Um, so a l- lot of my coping mechanisms was to um, maybe drink too much. I didn't really understand an emotional process or trauma or you know just different responses that I was having to life and life was really chaotic. I had lots of good opportunities prior to that. I had great people in my life and but I used alcohol as a way of being able just to numb a lot of pain. So we're around about 24. I was working in a, 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 an organisation and I met this incredible person. And I just sometimes I believe that, and I think that's where a lot of it comes from me about that connection with someone. I think someone's put in your path at just the time that you need it. And if you're willing to see the opportunity for what it is. And I used to um, go into work um, and I wouldn't be feeling too great, just lots of things going on. And I remember this one, this one time that this this guy called Jamie had just started and he said to me listen can I can you give me a lift home my car's not working and I thought right okay that's fine so we were traveling down the road and he started to talk to me about his journey about his own experience with um recovery and um seeking help that he needed at that particular time. I believe that he's seen something in me that was already in him, so he could identify with that. And he watched, he was a people watcher, and I mm-hmm. think he would watch how I wouldn't, you know, um, just the unmanageability of my life at that particular point. And he said to me, I went to this place and I got some support and some help. And of course, that booted it off because I looked at him and I thought, yeah, that's all right for you. But that's not, you know, I'm 24. I've got my whole life ahead of me. And I was on a kind of destructive path. I was on a kind of self-sabotage path. Um, and that that continued for about seven days. He just didn't have his car, you know. And, um, and eventually I asked him, what was it you did? And he told me. And he said, listen, I can take you if you want me to take you. And I really had not a great deal of trust for people at that particular point. So, but something within me just changed and happened. And I said, listen, I would really like that. And that moment sitting in the car, what actually, that actually pivoted the rest of the time to come. Because without that level of support that I went on to 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 get I would have never made healthier choices physically emotionally or mentally and life would have continued to be um, unmanageable and really chaotic so that moment in the car was a moment of great decision and that was then propelled an action that completely changed my whole life. Wow!
0: Amazing and who knew that Jamie would just turn up and be able to have that conversation and have that with you that's so cool. And I I think the thing is, I love
1: the fact that people are really open to sharing their experiences because what happens then is it creates a connection. I think we all wander around thinking, we look at each other and we think, oh my God, your life is so perfect. You've got it sorted. And, you know, there's just all this. We judge what we see in the outside. And what happened at that particular moment was he was vulnerable enough to share his experience with me, trusting that it might have, fallen flat in his face and it may have been I would have rejected it but he took the risk and he took the chance and I think there's something really powerful in connection mm-hmm. and that I used to think vulnerability was such a bad word and I think if you come from a place where your vulnerability has been exploited and you have a different understanding of what that looks like your mindset's different on it but the vulnerability of Sharing your experiences and your challenges, but also your recovery and the inspiration and the people that you've met is really, really powerful. I've watched relationships, I've watched people come into our space and having the darkest of times, and then one of my team share what their past life looked like, and I watch that woman completely and utterly transform into a place of complete and utter hope and that is the power of just in that moment just being honest to ask listen I think this is what you're going through this was my experience
0: amazing and he saw that in you and felt I can help here we are. yeah
1: and then I never and it was about uh, three months and then he moved jobs and I never seen him again
0: oh my god like a guardian angel Jamie yeah, well,
1: I have had lots yep. of experiences like that in my mm-hmm. life I have had the most ama- amazing people show up mm-hmm. at the most amazing times mm-hmm. um so yeah I'm a big believer in that I don't know you get what you need when you need it
0: well how's that for a bookmark moment yes <laughs> there we go um So, we've talked about being in your mid-twenties and what you were going through at that point. I'm keen to understand what was going on before that. Um, Talk us through your teenage years and where you were in your life, what happened, because you went through loads of change. Mm.
1: Yeah, so 24, kind of rewind it back. um, I grew up, um, I lived in lots of poverty um, and with poverty brings a lot of mental health for people um, and limited choices. So my folks were really young when they had me. And there was quite there was quite a lot of us Wayne's. There was lots of us. So when you're working when you're living in an environment where there's no jobs um and there's little income, that adds a great deal of stress to to families. Um and I ended up really young and ended up in the care system um, and spent quite a lot of time within that. So I there was always moments for me where I felt rejected and not part of something, and I learned this kind of like feeling of A bit like a lone wolf. So if you need to make it work, you need to make it on your own. That was how it felt for me a lot of that time. Um, And I grew up in in the system. And then I became a young mum when I was 15. So I was 15 and uh, Gemma's now almost 30 um, and an incredible young woman. So navigating in a system with all this crippling low self-esteem and self-worth and just thinking that I needed to do this on my my own. Um, but I was so determined that she was going to have the life. I'm a bit of, if you say I can't do it, watch me do it. Yeah. And it's at that point, because I always felt like I had something to prove um, to get this kind of sense of validation and just be accepted. And I did, I did it. But it was really, really tough because I, I'm a child parent and a child. And it was just a really difficult situation to be in um, and financially and emotionally and mentally. But again, I had some really, really good people in um, in my corner that really fought for that so that I could then, you know, progress more. And, and I left school and I didn't have any. It was, so it's exam time for, for lots of kids. And um, I never had, I left school with no qualifications. I had six years of primary education. And one year of secondary education because we moved a lot. Um we lived before going into care, we lived in um caravan parks and B hotels, there was lots of homelessness and addiction. And there was just lots of um just really good people trying to navigate their own pains and just not being able to do that for for their children. So um so yeah, lots lots of different life experiences prior to getting to my twenties and and then Gemma and I think something happened that I realised that what had gone in my childhood was impacting my adolescence and then my adulthood and my way of forming relationships or asking for what I need was really skewed and I didn't know how to manage what that looked like
0: so yeah lots (laughs) wow loads Sylvie loads um You mention being a young mum. First of all, that's tough. You mention being in care. Second of all, that's incredibly tough. I can't even imagine how hard that must have been. When you had Gemma, how, how did things change other than the obvious you've got a wee person to try and look after? Did anything click in your head that you were like, I want something different for her than what I've had. I want to do things differently than how I've seen them doing. Or... Were you just in the position you were in? You knew what you knew and you just got on with it. How did you manage when you were 15? That's incredibly difficult. I think it was a bit of both.
1: I always had this, see, even when I was small, I always had this something within me that just, I always lived in a fantasy world. Like I was, I would always see something better. I would always be optimistic. I could always see a hope in something. I don't know. It was just something I always had. And when Jen was born, I remember looking at her and I just felt this Overwhelming feeling of love for this tiny human being, and I thought I am responsible for ensuring that the opportunities that she has and in life is my responsibility. Um, so it was, it was a bit, it was a bit of both. It was, and it was different. And I just got, I've always just got on with it, like. The, but sometimes that's to my detriment. Just get, and I think for people we do, and I think we just there was always that fear that because I was a young mum that someone would and because I was part of a system that if I didn't do it properly she would be taken away from me and I just couldn't imagine her being in a system that I had already been part of and yeah. not having that love and that connection with with her parents um so I I was kind of like I was I've always been that I just you get on with it but equally that's been to my detriment um, and many times of not being able to ask for the help that I've needed when I've needed it. Um, but yeah, so I just buckled up and I got on with it. And I don't know, it came instinctively that, mm. you know, I knew she needed certain things. And then I knew that she got older, she would need different types of things from me. Um, so, yeah, it was it was it was challenging. Mm-hmm. But it was it was inc- equally incredible as well.
0: Yeah, I, it's funny. Like I sit here listening to you now, and I, I've had a little boy recently. He's almost two, right? So I've kind of been through the newborn stage, gone back to work, figuring it out. I'm 33. I can't even think for a second. Me at 15 managing that, I, I wouldn't have been able to. So f- for you telling your story, it shows incredible strength and. It shows how brave you are and you can sit here and talk about it with such a a fond but also just realistic view on how tough it was. Um, So thank you. Thanks for sharing that because I know that, you know, being that age and going through it can't have been easy. So, And she's almost 30, he said. So that's so...
1: So cool. So much. There's so much judgment. I think there's so much. But yeah, she's thirty and she's almost thirty and doing her thing. And uh, yeah, and I did it all again at forty.
0: Here you go. See, that's a whole other conversation which we're going to get to in a sec. Um, We've spoken about teenage years, mid twenties, having your pivotal moment. What happened after that? You said you had. A chat with Jamie that inspired action. You went and you learned more about what was going on. You figured out how to solve it. What happened beyond that?
1: So that particular that particular moment was actually what what became the catalyst for a lot of the recovery work that we do within our organisation. Um, and it was around. Um, it, I was almost like on a journey. So between the ages of uh, 24 and 30, I started to kind of learn almost reparent myself. So it was almost like, well, what do I need physically? What do I need emotionally? What do I need mentally? What do I need financially? And uh, learn how to navigate relationships, not just intimate relationships, but all types of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, what were my values? You know, what what do I need? Um, how do I ask for that? So it was a it was almost like I was going through a, my teenage years and my childhood between that after that particular that particular uh, period of time and I used to journal it was really interesting because you the the journal just getting that there I ended up having about 27 different journals i something within me was telling me you have to catalog all the mistakes that you've ever made you have to and all the successes that you've ever made and you have to keep that fresh so that w- I had no clue what that was about, um, and I just I just kept writing. I kept making mistakes, but then I would kind of put my brave pants on, and then I would just try again, and I would just try again, and I went back, and um, I. Uh, prior to that I went back and I got, did a basic communication course and learned how to read and write properly and um I think the first email I ever sent uh, it just was a continual statement <laughs> you know it was like there was no punctuation marks and things like that so it was um, so I had to relearn a lot of things and just um uh, was really frustrated a lot of the time um so yeah that moment of uh, recovery that moment that decision was what transformed what was about to happen in my, my life, like the doors that would open, the opportunities that would happen um, and the the and the journals had a huge big part to do with that as well.
0: You're really teasing us because we want to know what the doors were that opened, the opportunities that would happen. Tell us, tell us about it all. So I... Um, so by the time I was thirty, I knew that I was
1: already working. I'd studied, and and I was I was working in community mental health at the time, and I was working with young adults who were coming out of long stay hospital, and they were um, living in their own accommodation, and I was really kind of like about this creation of empowerment. How do we ensure that you can have supports and systems and things around you, but ultimately um, that can be a compliment. But how do you, as a person? be able to when the lights go out or there's no one there how do you sustain your life and feel grounded in who you are so i i really got i really got interested in the kind of like this codependency of not making others dependent on what you're giving them but to work equally together to to make that change and that was a lot of what my journey looked like so from the the journals um get set started to form um, and I didn't know that at that particular time and I went and I I, I thought I've got this idea so I was sitting I thought I've got this idea I didn't know what a social enterprise was I thought um, I I spoke to a couple of people and they were like that's not a business Sylvie that's actually you want to help people but how are you going to make money from that and I was like I'm not motivated by money it's (laughs) like this is about relationships and connection um and I said, I just want to run workshops for other women in my community. I live in a community where um, there's not a lot of jobs. Um, there's Women of often single parents living in poverty, have experienced trauma. And there wasn't a lot of opportunity for women to, you know, balance kids and be able to work Um, and self-esteem is huge because if you don't if you've had childhood trauma and you're living with very little means the decisions you make are very different your choices are very very different so I knew that about choices and um, and so how do we galvanize to make sure that there's a creation of something and that was about starting with uh, the self-esteem and confidence so I thought well that's what's happened for me and I was already supporting I don't know, it was 40, 50 women through their rec- before the social mm-hmm. enterprise just kind of kicking ass and like reminding themselves how bloody brilliant mm-hmm. they are. And the programme, um, so I, I knew that and a friend said, Sylvia, that sounds like a social enterprise you're trying to set up. So I Googled it and I thought, oh. what even is that? It's marrying a social impact with a business idea. And I was really on, entrepreneurial and didn't even know it. I I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but when I was at school, there was two things that I did. I bought pencils and I bought cigarettes Mm -hmm. and I thought if I sell the cigarettes, I can make enough money and I can buy food or shop, whatever I needed for that particular time. And the same with pencils. My head always worked on how do I, but that time it was about survival. And I thought, well, it'd be great to transfer those skills over and and see what that looks like. Um, So it was a social enterprise. Went along um, to a a meeting of all these other social enterprises and I pitched my idea and they said, "Uh, no, we're not going to fund it. And I went home and cried Mm. for three days. See the rejection? Mm. It was like reliving a whole load of other things. But what did you do? I mean, like the rejection's hard enough, right? But how did you... Move back from that. Well, three days and I kind of don't let anybody stop. If there's, I find another way around it. But there was something inside of me that kept saying you need to do this. This is really important. You need to do this. So they said to me, listen, Sophie, you'll never make money from this. You have to really think about what your business idea is, because how are you going to fund these free programmes for women? So Christmas Eve, I'm sitting on the sofa and I'm thinking to myself, My brain works. I've tried to... I'm really... I like solutions. I try to find... There's always solutions. We never live in the problem. There's always a solution to every single problem. And I'm sitting there and um, I'm thinking, this thought came in my head about pants. And I'm going, well, I just don't want to make pants, you know? And uh, I thought, there's Batman pants, there's Spider-Man pants. We're about female empowerment. Why don't we have good Glasgow pants, empowerment pants? So I sketched it out, got an old singer, can't sew to save myself, went to Mandor's, bought some material, laces and all sorts, had a three-legged pair of pants, (sighs) took it back in and said, listen, I've got an idea. If I can make these pants, employ local women, create more financial security, then what we could do is sell them and fund some workshops. And they gave me £500 at that moment to pilot the workshop. And then it progressed to a £30,000 loan and investment so I was taking a risk yeah. to take the loan and investment and I thought it's the only way I'm going to be able to do it and we got six lo- so Blindcraft was a, a, mm-hmm. a, a factory that was in Springburn and it had closed down so I put an advert out I got six women in Bulgary Hill Community Centre and we made 2,000 pairs of pants um, so I rented the machines, did the health and safety. Not a clue what I was doing. I Googled it, YouTubed it, spoke to people um, and we took them to the next year's Christmas market and we set up in Sloan's. Mm-hmm. Sloan's yeah. has got a market, so cobbly. And so it was like really dreek and it rained the whole entire <laughs> Perfect time. Perfect Glasgow. <laughs> and this guy across from me was like selling CU Jimmy hats and tea towels. <laughs> and he said, what are you? And I went, we're a not-for-profit. And he said, I'll tell you something, hen, you'll no make any fucking profit from oh, them. Maybe. And I was like, we sold out. Don't. We sold out. See? And he was he was absolutely gobsmacked. I see you, Jimmy. Right? Ah, I see you. You take your Jimmy hats and we'll see you a pair of pants. Um, so Amazing. that's thats how the the, the, the first, it, it mm. came around. And that gathered a lot of interest from people because it was a story. Mm-hmm. Um, empowerment pants, it was a bit, so we were putting something, Quite funny on mm-hmm. something that was very very serious, um, and it, it it developed from then, and we loads more opportunities for investment, and um, yeah, and just it just kind of went from then, and I started to run uh, programs for women from the profits, and we would get together for eight weeks, and we would talk about um, self esteem and uh, needs and values and boundaries and relationships, mm. but we would connect; it would be relational, and they would bring the challenges for them. Um, and that was the starting point. That was mm. where I started. And I was still working part-time at that because I couldn't... Um, mm. I didn't have a salary for two years and I thought, you know, we just, we have to just, like, have to be sensible about what we're doing. Um,
0: so when was that? What what year are we talking? So that was that 2014. Happened. Okay, okay. So we are coming up for 10 Almost years Almost 10-year birthday. Wow.
1: Um, and we've grown massively uh-huh, uh-huh. in that time. Um so yeah, running uh, workshops and um, just you know, and just growing it. Mm-hmm. And in between that time, I started uh, doing uh, counselling courses and things okay. like that. Just to, I went back and qualified in some areas that I was really interested in. Um, and I was sitting in the um, in a in a session where we were being taught, and I remember writing something on the workbook, and I looked down and it said Ms, Miss, and Misses, and I thought that's the name of the organisation. <gasps> And I've still got it, and I keep it. I keep it with the first pair of pants ever made, and the 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 uh, tutor booklet with the name of the project, the organisation on it.
0: You know what I love—the fact that you came up with the idea for the pants Christmas Eve in your head, just probably sitting wrapping presents or doing whatever it was you were doing, and it just came to you you came up with the name of your business when you were busy doing something else and it just came to you. Where do you think that comes from? This sort of spontaneous idea that turns into something amazing. Oh, see, I I thought, I thought about that. Um,
1: I'm a kind of big, I'm a big believer in that you get what you need when you need it. And I think everybody's got purpose and I think it's finding that purpose and at whatever particular moment that, download happens um, and I think I was just, I was so open and receptive I don't know, what I'd like to say it was a gift I like to say it's a gift um, because I couldn't have Jamie in that moment and all the doors that opened at that particular place and then that moment of realising the name, um, so I think it was a gift I think it was a gift You say everyone has a purpose, Yes. What, what's yours? To grow Miss and Misses and to offer that opportunity for other women, um, that's my pur- my purpose was to go through what I went through, to experience what I needed to experience, so that I could then learn. I'm not advocating that we talk about war. We talk about warriors, and I often find that a really difficult title because you have to go through something really humongous to be that warrior. Um, so I, for me. I'm grateful. That sounds really, really insane, but I'm very, very grateful for every every experience and every moment. It wasn't always great, and it was difficult. But I'm very, very grateful because what happened from those particular moments was I grew in ways that I wouldn't. It would have never been possible for me to grow. Um, and my purpose was to use that, was to use that, and to use the the idea around making money for financial sustainability to do good work with it I was never motivated by money but if I make it it needs to go in the right places to empower other women and their families to grow in the way that they want to grow so for me I believe my purpose was to go through what I needed to go through to do what I'm doing now with the team that I do it with
0: I just got shivers How does self-care translate for you? What What does that mean for you? What do you do to look after yourself? I love that you
1: said that because we talk about that a lot in yeah. terms of uh, it's an industry, a wellbeing industry and it's to sell a product or, yeah. you know, and how can you possibly take a bubble bath when mentally you know that there's maybe a crucial conversation that you need to have or you've got an anger or resentment about something mm-hmm. or you're not doing what you need to do to take care of yourself. So a bubble bath is great. But normally I'll take a bubble bath when I'm feeling fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I will not take a bubble bath when I'm mentally in the bin. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's around, um, I always have to go back to look at um, what what is causing, why do I need to take a bubble bath? Am mm-hmm. I taking the bubble bath because it's a joy? Or am I taking it because I'm trying to get rid of a feeling or a thought? So normally what I'll do is I'll I'll and I often do first and feel later. So sometimes I need to kind of process it and give it time. Self-awareness is huge. It's one of the things that we advocate a lot of. I think it's about understanding who you are, what makes you tick. So for me, self-care is around: am I setting the boundaries I need to do? Am I am I spreading myself too thin? Because often what happens is when I do that, I feel like the pity party comes out, you know, it's like Oh, poor me, woe me. It's like if they only knew this and they only knew that, I'm so stretched, I'm so tired. And then someone comes and asks you for something and you just flip. It's like, oh no, I can't do this anymore. But actually, what's happening is in that I'm not taking care of what I need. And that is in terms of a boundary, it might be that I need to say no. But the fear of people pleasing. Yeah. The worrying of rejection and all of that stuff, all these thought processes at some cellular level, it happens. Mm. And then it's like, well, so I have to break that down. And I think years of um, practice and self-awareness and just living in that, I, I'm quicker to, to, to understand it. But sometimes when there's lots of things going on in life, it's really difficult. So for me, self-care is okay. So if I'm getting involved in friendships or people are asking me to do things, do I want to do it? is there is it is it something that i can give and something that i'll get from um and if it's not because i'm scared of missing things then that's not i'm going to get resentful so boundaries is a huge thing for me we do loads of work around that um and because normally by the time you know i'm, I'm my cup is empty yeah. it's because i'm i'm not setting boundaries also as well asking myself what's my values so am i getting into something that Aligns with who I am as a person because then I leave feeling good. But if I don't, I leave feeling the chatterbox in my head, overcritical, overthinking. So I'm I'm asking myself questions most of the time. So self care: Am I mentally well? What does my plan look like to keep me mentally well? Am I physically well? So am I going to the GP? Am I going to the dentist? Am I getting you know breast screening, smear tests, different things like that? Because by those actions, I'm reaffirming to myself that I'm important so I'll get quicker and quicker at understanding what I need and when I need it. Also, crucial conversations, really difficult. Really difficult. Really, because yeah. if it's crucial, it's because there's an emotional investment in it and I'm worried that there's going to be a kickback or I'm not going to get what I need or something like that happens. So, But I have to, for me, it's about I want to, Pause long enough to know if I don't have that critical conversation, I'm going to put that relationship at risk anyway because I'm not going to be authentic in it. They're not going to be authentic in it. I'm going to people please. So my boundaries are going to get crossed and there's the, you know, and it just ends up in a in a bit of a vicious circle. So takes me a long took me a long time to practice it. Sometimes I'm quicker, sometimes I'm not. Um, So a bit like, you know, so boundaries, my values, crucial conversations, body image, big thing, Mm. critical. I mean, everybody talks about that negative self-talk that goes on and stuff like that. And that normally happens for me when I'm really stressed. So when I'm really stressed, the voice gets louder. We have like 70,000 thoughts in a day.
0: Crazy. But Mm -hmm. I can hear
1: 30 of them louder than any other time. And it's normally to give me a hard time. But normally that's because there's things that I'm not doing for myself that mm. I need to balance to be able to self care, mm. and that again for s- things like boundaries and I like to be alone sometimes, mm. um, just that quietness, just to think, honestly, without all the noise and being yeah. pulled from one area to the next. So and I think it's back to what you said about when the thoughts come in, like the name or the pants. Mm. There, that's in quiet time. Yes. That's when I'm not busy in action that that happens. And I can let my thoughts just float and mm. just be. Um, so that's really important. For me, that's a huge part of self-care is mental he- is mental well-being mm-hmm. um, and to be able to to look after that. And creativity and reading and mm-hmm. writing and even talking, like the authentic like connection. Listen, I'm feeling not great today. Um, And someone else saying, you know, well, you know, I I know what that's like. Or just listening, Mm. somebody making a cup of tea or whatever that Mm -hmm. looks like. But I first have to identify, to ask, to look for what it is I need. Mm. That sometimes things are too noisy. and then I just hop from one thing to the next to the next to the next and I'm like why am I so frazzled? Why am I so frazzled? Um, But my head is the worst because it's got ideas constantly and that's never a good thing
0: We've talked a little bit about it in terms of starting it up and see you Jimmy and all the rest of it. Where are we at now? What's happening yesterday, today, tomorrow with What's going on? Wow. it? <laughs> <laughs> maybe just today. Yeah. <laughs> today, tomorrow might be too much. <laughs> so we 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 started. Um
1: in, a, in the community centre um, and being able to rent some of that space, the pants and things mm-hmm. like that. We evolved it and the Get Set um, programme became uh, an accredited programme working with women. Then we took investment and we have a well being hub now. So this is a great space where women come, they go through the Get Set, but we also do lots of other things in terms of it might be benefits checks or food or, you know, just often women who are coming to Miss Miss and Misses are living in really hard financial times as well as emotionally and mentally so we're very person-centered so a day can look like one thing for one yeah. woman and a, a different thing for another woman so we've got a well-being space and we focus a lot on that we do lots of other courses and just anything that makes self-care accessible to women that might not otherwise be able to get it and real community in that so the team that are there are women who have come through Ms, Miss and Mrs and have um, gone through Get Set programmes or worked then mentored, then gone back and qualified mm-hmm. um, in education and then come back and now that they, they lead the Get Set programme. So it's accredited in that. Oh my God, there is so much. Right? <laughs> um, and we opened a community kitchen. I had this idea that I think it's the hub of a home a lot of the time mm-hmm. um, and when I was wee my granny was the best cook like she would cook in soup pots and uh, I wanted a communal place where women could cook together be able to batch cook and take food home in a much more dignified way because a lot of women were needing to access food banks and, and different things like that so we thought, how do we do it in a beautiful space where they get cooking classes they cook communally together package it up and they take it home. So from that, we opened two weeks before COVID and ended up doing 20,000 meals for families, partnering wow. with some of the local primary schools. And we just built relationships with those women who then came to the Miss Miss and Mrs. space around self-esteem and wellbeing. We did lots of family stuff and uh, we got some funding from STV and we gave out £30,000 in money just for crisis points. So we meet you where you're at. And then we support you to build and grow. So that can be lots of different things. And the kitchen now is um, ran by another couple of women who have gone through the programmes who are now uh, fully qualified in cooking and uh, food hygiene and lots of things. So training and upskilling and empowerment is a big part of what we do. Um, And then we now don't make pants in a community centre. We make them in a small micro manufacturing space called We Manufacture that we opened um, eight months ago. So machines and all of that. So we do uh, girls' ranges and women's ranges and we um, sell them in some shops. and then just recently, the Get Set um, has a 60-page workbook and uh, we've been training, I think, about 90 teachers so far are running the Get Set programmes in schools um, in East Renfrewshire and places like that. So we've taken that to an online platform. It's SQA mapped against Level 3 and Level 4 in wellbeing and self-awareness and now Level 5 in leadership. So for young people who want to learn the programme and work alongside young people, um, folks coming into P- um, S1. So we've put that on an online platform and um, it's about to roll out all over Scotland this year. Wow. So we've just... Um, I'm making myself as redundant as possible <laughs> and handing it over. So we've got some income streams that come in. Um, we've been lucky. We've been funded um, by the Hunter Foundation and the government in a, in a joint partnership called the Social Innovation Partnership. Okay. So it was around finding new innovative ways to support women who are going through trauma and living in poverty rather than just food banks and things like that. So we'd been part of that for four years. Our team all came through um, and we managed to change some of the things that happened in Scottish Government, we were feeding back lots of things around what's working for people, what's not working for people. We had John Swinney come and visit us, we've had quite a lot of uh, ministers visit us and uh, we've been able to feed into some of the the poverty strategy and um, which we shouldn't really need to have but we do have it Um, and it was about innovative ways of giving power back to 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 people and for us it's it's women and their families how do we change that and we've done that through training and um upskilling and jobs and um self-esteem and well-being and connection so that's very surface level of what we do but we just there's lots there's lots of different things so we've got three beautiful spaces Mm -hmm. they're all interlinked they're all there to serve the um the empowerment of of women and their kids, um, so yeah, busy Christmas is always be- Christmas is always a busy time for us. But yeah, so we're going um, Scotland wide with the uh, get set now. That's SQA map.
0: Incredible, that's so cool. Really, so so cool. And I think it's topics that maybe when I was at school were not even part of the curriculum, they weren't discussed. They weren't even really discussed in the home environment, actually, either, because it was just a bit kind of, oh, you're fine, just crack on. You know, you got your exams, you can do it. Then you go to uni or college or get a job, whatever it is. You just continue going after the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. But now that they're actually putting something in place to help young women think about it, think about their choices, discuss things they've got going on that they don't feel they can discuss elsewhere, I think it's so cool, so... Really excited to see where it goes. That's so exciting. Yeah, we're super excited. Um,
1: the impact's been incredible. So yeah. we're looking forward to see more
0: of that. Yeah, absolutely. How do you balance it all? I love it. Yeah. I, lo- I
1: absolutely love it. I think it's back to that thing around self-care, emotional mm. and mental. That's my... M- I do that because it keeps me mentally well. I love, I get as much out of doing it. Um, so balancing it all sometimes is very tricky um, and it's difficult as well. And I think sometimes I have to balance, and we were chatting about that earlier in mm-hmm. terms of, um, you know, I've got I've got a wee in now and she's four just about to start school and it's making sure that there's quality time in my head is with her mm-hmm. and not within a work environment as well. Um, so I don't know, I just, I don't know if it's, Probably coffee helps exceptionally <laughs> well. Um, but no, I balance it and I'll take some time for myself and I know when I need some out time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, some days I'm lucky if I brush my hair at the weekends because I always want to chill. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, there's moments where it's really, really difficult. And yeah. um, and because we're so emotionally invested in what we do, I think that's one of the hardest things. Um, but yeah, but I, Get to play in the swing park with Rose, yeah. and then I get to go in and watch incredible women tell me that they sat down and had a meal with their children last night, and took them to the park, and that they've got a job interview or they had a difficult conversation and things like that. So that's almost like my fuel mm. um, that mm. that gives it. But there's I've now got an incredible team where I'm mm-hmm. doing less of that um, and just focusing more on strategy in mm-hmm. terms of the business development and empowering them to take the much more leadership role and much more um, focused on when I'm not here doing this this is your legacy this is the thing that you'll take on and pass on to other women and things like that and because we are a community interest co- company all assets are all owned by the community and that's mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm.
0: Excellent. I suppose the success is one thing in terms of the motivation to keep going, but also the recognition. Um, you just received an award recently. Talk to us about that. Oh, was involved.
1: I got a, I got this letter from the uh, from the Crown Office, and I thought, and oh, no. it wasn't jury duty because I'd just been called for that, and I thought, oh my god, what have I done? It's like still that, that wee, still that we that voice. What have you done? What have you done? Um, yeah. And never for a second. And when I opened it up. I kind of I just like to get on with things. I'm not really one for spotlights or focus because I think collectively we do it. Um but I was really humbled and I was really honored and I loved the fact that it was um it was the BEM for Services to Women in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Um and then I found out that it was um some of our funders and some of the People collectively got together to nominate me, which was incredible. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, and I got the, I got the. I've not had it yet. Um, so um, I think that's going to be a ceremony is going to be quite soon to get that. But I was really take, I was really taken aback. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really do it for recognition because mm-hmm. um, I get so much out of it already. But I was. I, I was pretty. I was really touched and I was more touched that people took the time to write the letters and advocate on my behalf um, and I didn't even know what was happening.
0: We've talked loads about what you went through when you were growing up, what you've set up, the amazing things you're doing now. What would you say to somebody who's listening or knows somebody who's in a situation that you were in when you were a lot younger? What advice would you give them to show that this is where you've ended up, you might have been through extremely tough, hard times? What would you say to them? Oh, I'm trying to think
1: something that does not sound too cliche. I <laughs> <laughs> have, a, have a post-it card. Um, it gets better. It definitely gets better. And I think sometimes as well that the worst has already happened i think if you have going through something that's really difficult and traumatic or loss or that's all that's already happened and the healing time now is um and it gets better it definitely gets better and talk to somebody or you know ask for help and if that's difficult it's just i think it's that thing about believing in yourself as well i'm just trying to not say it sound too cliche but yeah <laughs> I, the I think for me, it was about the worst had already happened. I could not, the things that I was so scared of were the things that had taken place already, and things were just going to get better. And I just needed to reach out and ask for help um, and just believe in myself because you make it, if you make it through something, um, you've survived something. So the strength in that is incredible, it's absolutely incredible. Um, And we just, I don't think we ever pat ourselves in the back because you were so, for me I was so focused on the, the difficulties that had come that I wasn't focusing on the strength that it took for me to get through that particular period of time. And then I flipped it and thought, well wait a wee minute here, I've got this far and we've done this. I think that was, was that the question you were asking me that because was really I was good. thinking yeah was
0: that is that about now or then or you No, know? I think you know I almost just imagine it you have your 15 year old self sat next year sat here in my mm. chair what would you say to her you know that's
1: yeah I would yeah. just say that it gets better Gets
0: better keep going and I love you
1: yeah <laughs> I love you <laughs> oh, it's gonna be all
0: right it's gonna be fine um,
1: yeah. but that thing about yes look at the strength look at the strength it took mm just to get here Mm -hmm. so can you imagine using that harnessing that Mm -hmm. for the next part of your journey because i think that's the thing we see only now and not often think well i'm going to be you know 16 20 24 20 we always kind of like think because it just it feels so intense at that moment um but yeah the worst has happened and the strength it took to get through that is what's inside of you so it's keep that and keep using that
0: Brilliant, Sylvie. We've covered so much, thank and you. we could go on for hours. I feel like I've got a new friend in you that I could talk to for ages. It's been great chatting to you. Really, um, really, really interesting, and we'll put loads of information around wherever this goes to make sure that people know where to find you, and if they want to get involved, they know how to do that as well. So, um, thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Brilliant.